0: Our scripture lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter, verses 11 through 32, possibly a familiar story, uh, the prodigal son, as it is often referred to, and it's also a story, there are other characters in the story, the older son and the father and the prodigal, so listen now for God's holy word. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so he went off to face his father But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, What was going on? He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, listen. For all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him, then the father said to him, son, You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So about a week ago, um, I had another sermon title and another uh, text that I was going to preach this week, and our worship leaders know that. (laughs) Um, I had the idea that I was going to preach, this is true confessions of a pastor, um, I was going to preach on um, John chapter 11 when... um, where I was going to focus on when Jesus grieves that Lazarus has died, one of the most popular Bible verses that is memorized is in that text. anybody know that? Wept. Jesus wept, um, so I, that was what I was going to preach on that. I just found a lot of power in that, and I thought, this is something that I want to look at well, as i 've shared before i 'm still grieving my aunt 's death, she died in May, and part of my plan was to talk about how Jesus wept and that, that empathy, but then I realized it was too soon, too quick, too much for me to uh, tackle that text. And, and this week we have had a, just a litany of pastoral concerns, lots of people in need, and a dear friend and church member Jack Kay died um, suddenly, uh, unexpectedly, and I was able to spend time with his family. so I decided I'm going to spend my energy there and not try to tackle this impossible text right now. So about 5 o'clock on Monday, I had this moment of remembering a really important sermon that I heard by my seminary professor, Dr. Shirley Guthrie, and I decided I was going to sort of channel Shirley today and pull up that sermon and preach it for you. Um, I, Shirley Guthrie is a male. Uh, he taught, uh, theology at Columbia Seminary for over 40 years. Uh, he was my father's theology professor, my mother's when she went to seminary and my sister's and then he was mine. And, um, but he really became a friend. Uh, we had a chance to travel with uh, in seminary and just was a beloved dear friend of mine. He has written many texts in his text, Christian Doctrine, is used um, by seminary students and in Sunday schools, and he's just a wonderful man who died in um, 2004 from cancer, Um, but Shirley came to Nashville, Tennessee when I had my first call as a youth minister, and he preached there, and the sermon that he preached was um, with this text, and he called it, What the Father Didn't Say. I really wish I could. Shirley had a great sense of humor, um, and he had a very distinctive voice, so I'm probably going to try to speak like him, but I won't be able to. Um, but he also, he was brilliant, uh, and, and he could talk to the, the brightest of people. He was so accessible and available to everybody on any level, and it was just a dear, dear man. So today I want to share a Shirley Guthrie, sermon with you. Um, And so I bring this to you. Shirley says, when Jesus preached, he didn't preach like most modern preachers. He didn't begin with an introduction to get everyone's attention and make sure that everyone understood that what he was about to say would be relevant to their everyday lives. His sermons didn't have two or three points and some good illustrations so that people could really understand what he was saying. The kind of sermons where you go home and remember the illustrations, but forget what it is that they illustrate. Jesus didn't conclude with some more or less specific instructions about what his hearers were supposed to do when they went out into the world. Most of the time, Jesus told stories. Not so much stories about what God had done, what God promised, I'm sorry, not so much stories about what his listeners were supposed to do, but stories about God, who God was, what God had done, what God promised to do. Stories that were so clear and simple that they didn't need explanations or illustrations, or sometimes sermons so deliberately ambiguous That Jesus intended for people to go out scratching their heads and saying, now what was he trying to say? In any case, stories. Now none of us modern preachers is Jesus, although some of us sometimes forget that. We're not Jesus, and we don't have to preach like Jesus. A rabbi in the first century Middle East preached. But today I want us to do it Jesus' way. No three-point sermon, no illustrations, no explanation, no advice or instructions when we get through. Just a story. And the title of the story is, What the Father Didn't Say. So once upon a time, there was a rich man who lived in a big house in Buckhead, Atlanta. And he had two sons. The younger one said to his father... Dad, you know the money you promised to give me one day? Well, I want it now. School's a waste of time. There's nothing to do around here. I'm bored to death. And I want to get out and see the real world and have some fun while I'm still young enough to enjoy it. And the father didn't say, you're too young, or you'll get into trouble if you do that. Or, you'll be sorry. Or, don't you love your mother and me anymore? How can you do this to us after all we've done for you? He didn't say any of these things. He gave his son the money. And the son took off for New York City. He had his hair styled. He bought some new jeans that looked like old jeans, some Brooks Brothers suits a BMW, and three iPads. I updated that. <laughs> he moved into an expensive apartment in a section of the city where a lot of swingin' singles lived. He ate only at the newest and most in restaurants in town, partied all night, slept till noon every day. Finally, his girl moved into his apartment with him, and they entertained all their friends with catered snacks and a lot of free booze. They had a good time. But one day, his money ran out. He got evicted. His girl left him. His friends deserted him. He couldn't get a job because he was a dropout. So he ended up on the street with a lot of bums and winos begging for loose change and rummaging through dumpsters. Then he came to himself and said, My father's hired hands are living better than this. I'll go back and tell my father I was wrong. I'm sorry. I don't deserve to be your son anymore. Let me come and be your yard boy. So he went home. But before he even got to the door, his father saw him coming, and he went out to meet him. And the father didn't say, Well, look what the cat drug in. Or, Look at you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Or, I need you to come crawling back one of these days with your tail between your legs. Or, if you'd only listened to me, you wouldn't be in this fix now. Or, if you only knew how many nights your mother and I couldn't sleep worrying about you. He said none of these things. He simply hugged and kissed his son. And then the son made the little speech that he had practiced. Dad, I know I've disappointed you and hurt you. I am not worthy to be called your son. Just let me come live in the servants' quarters and work for you. And the father didn't say well I'll have to think about it or how do I know you won't do it again or tell you what I'll do I'm going to give you one more chance but I warn you or okay you can come and work for me and when you've earned enough money to pay me back what you owe me then we'll see about letting you move into your old room again he didn't say any of these things. He said, We're going to have a party. We'll invite everyone. This, my son, was dead, but is alive again, was lost, but has been found. Now, the older son, who stayed at home all this time, came home after the party had already started. He saw the cars parked in the driveway, heard the band playing, people laughing and talking, and he went around to the back door and asked one of the servants what was going on. The servant told him his brother had come home and his dad was throwing a big party for him. He was mad. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and said, come on join the party but the older son was having none of it he might have said something like look I've always done everything I was supposed to do I never disobeyed a single one of your orders I stayed in school I made good grades I joined the family business and I work 12 hours a day I always dated nice girls, and I married one who you can be proud to have in the family. I go to church. I'm a Boy Scout leader. I work for the United Way, and I belong to the Rotary Club. I'm against socialism and liberalism and pornography and abortion and everything else that destroys the moral fiber and the family values of our society. And I vote a straight Republican ticket. Or maybe... Instead, he said, something like, Dad, I know you have always stood for the marginalized in our society, justice for the poor and oppressed, with a preferential option for people like that. That's what I've done, too. I've never been one of those yuppies, like some, whose name I could mention, who think only about buying stuff and having a good time, I drive a hybrid car, I recycle, I've spent nights in shelters for the homeless, I've gone on hunger walks, I've built houses for habitat, I'm against capital punishment and for gun control, I'm for an inclusive church, an inclusive society that welcomes all kinds of people, I read the New York Times every day, and I vote a straight Democratic Party ticket. One way or the other, liberal or conservative, he was essentially saying, I've always said the right things and thought the right things and done the right things and fought for the right policies. And what thanks do I get for it? You never gave me a party. But when this good-for-nothing son of yours comes back, who has wasted your money, on women and liquor and no telling what else, you not only take him back, you throw a party for him? And the father didn't say, you wouldn't enjoy it if I did. Or, what kind of attitude is that to have about your own brother? Maybe if you had confessed your faults like he has, I'd give you a party too. Or, You don't deserve a party, you little self righteous hypocrite. (laughs) He didn't say any of those things. Instead, he said, Son, I love you just as much as I love your younger brother. Everything I have is yours too. But it was right to give him a party and have a good time because this, my son, and your brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's been found. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God we thank you for loving us like that. We thank you for this story in your holy word. And even though parts of it don't make sense in our rational minds, we thank you for the message that you love us exactly as we are. And you invite us to love one another exactly as we are. We pray, O God, that on this day, we might let this love sink into our own hearts and minds, and in our acknowledging this amazing love that you have for each one of us, that we would love a little bit more In this, your world. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.